0: all right ladies and gentlemen we're back here on shooting the shiz at this week with matt cross m dog son of havoc Luch underground star world travel professional wrestler matt where are you located right now where are you in cincinnati or are you in uh, where are you Uh, I I rarely I'm home in uh, say it
1: again we uh we dropped out a tiny bit I guess we got a the old internet connection
2: issue oh no worries um yeah I'm uh, I'm actually at home right now
0: in Ohio in Ohio all right so like what so tell the people where exactly what kind of place is Ohio like to the Finnish people and and to like the people here in Europe listening who've never been over there explain Ohio in just a few sentences
2: Oh, boy. It's a, uh, well, Cleveland in particular is a working class uh, town. We're in what's called the Rust Belt, so a former city that was big in steel and industry. So, uh, taken away, so a sort of a uh, hard-nosed place uh, and hard-working people. Uh, our sports teams are notoriously horrible, but we are a great professional
1: and, uh, and I, I was actually at the, the show All In uh, when I went back to Toronto to uh, visit my family, a buddy of mine. Uh, we flew over to Chicago and got uh, the pleasure to see you and MJF uh, wrestle it out. And uh, that was definitely a, pl- a pleasure. So I'm actually really excited that you're coming over all the way over here in uh, my new backyard anyway to uh, wrestle for yeah. Finland. So how do you feel about that? Have you ever been here before?
2: I have not, uh, and I'm so excited. Uh, the travel, especially internationally, is what keeps me involved in professional wrestling. I mean, being able to see the world doing what I love is, you know, mine and probably everyone's dream. And the fact that I'm somehow able to pull it off is never lost. Anything. I'm grateful for that. So uh, it, it'll be the 26th country that I've wrestled in, wow. uh, somewhere that I've never been. I'm so excited to – I mean, I just feel like um, – fans overseas in general are more appreciative. So uh, I just want to have the best show possible. Meet everybody really looking forward to the experience.
1: What do you have any expectations then of Finland? Is it just gonna be this idea that it's just gonna be cold? I mean I'm sure you're used to cold living
2: in Ohio, so but uh... <laughs> True right? Cleveland is, is known for cold. Uh, I'm coming in somewhat blind. I've been to Norway, so uh, I've been close, but Uh, Even that trip was only about twenty-four to forty-eight hours, so it just sort of wet my appetite for the for the Nordics in general. And I just remember uh, just how beautiful it was. Um, So,
0: yeah, I'm coming in with an open mind, open heart. So, was that uh, were you wrestling in Norway? Uh, I did, yes. So it was
2: about two years ago, two years ago, something around there. But uh, short trip uh, or um. Eric, but I wrestled against it.
1: All right. So you
0: wrestled against Eric Isaacson. Yes. So he's like the pioneer of Norwegian professional wrestling. How was that match?
2: It was great. It was a really cool experience. Um, for me, I think that was, well, I can't remember now, but it was some sort of milestone. So perhaps country 25 or 24, uh, I'm getting it confused with the Netherlands at this point. <laughs> <laughs> at, some, at some point they'll all blend together, but, uh, I remember going, being asked if I wanted to go to a bike festival, which, of course, I did. Uh, and then, um, I remember being light out until, like, midnight, which is insane for me. But I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, at the the time you're going to be here, we're going to have some of that midnight sun. I wonder, in Rauma, I'm not sure where it is. It's it's a little bit uh, more north than Helsinki, but... Um, well, it's
0: going to be light. I mean, it's yeah. like at, at midnight, it'll still be light. So, I mean, it's... It, the around that time of the year it's called midsummer here in finland and the, mm-hmm. the the gimmick is that uh it's basically i like you don't get complete darkness at night you get dim that's pretty much it right for about maybe four hours and the and the, and the higher so yeah and the higher you go uh, up like north in let's say lapland you will get like mm-hmm. 24 hours of sunshine
2: I'm like a absolute night owl, so I can't even explain how amazing that sounds. <laughs> yeah. that, that should be the norm everywhere. Like, I love that. That's going to be – I'm going to retire someday, and that's where I'm heading. I can't see any reason why it's not light out. It's midnight every yeah. day.
1: Just, just uh, then you got to move to, like, uh, I guess – somewhere at the end of uh Patagonia or something in the, in the winter. Cause it's then dark all the time.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Then I'm, then I'm out. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so Matt, uh, you, you're consider, or you consider yourself to be like a, like a punk rock style of wrestler from what I've like understood. Am, am I, correct? Sure. So not, yes, ex- absolutely. Ex- explain that to people. How is Matt cross punk rock? Uh,
2: I saw the Ramones and sex pistols in 96. Uh, I'm in love with the genre. I've never looked back. So I go to, uh, despite how busy I am, I still make it to about one punk rock show a week. Uh, I was just at something called Punk Rock Bowling this past weekend, which is a three day festival in uh, Las Vegas, uh, headlined by you know, Rancid, and, uh, the descendants, and the specials, and all these, oh, wow. all these bands. And I just try to carry that spirit to, into my wrestling. So to me, uh, you know, independent music and specifically punk rock is, is just this DIY ethos of doing it yourself. So uh, no one's going to do it for you. It's, it's packing a bunch of guys in a van, making the drives, sleeping on floors, doing what needs to be done to, to chase these wild dreams. And I just think there's so many parallels between that and a wrestling career. So none of my friends ever played instruments, so this is my way of being a one-man band of sorts and, and getting out there and, and being able to you know, touch people uh, metaphorically and physically you know like I take that, uh, that you dose know, of stage dives and everything like uh, quite literally so um you know I like interacting with the crowd and making them a part of this experience and you know nothing compares to, to live entertainment and that's what the, the this live experience I loved you know bringing the energy of that and kind of it's, it's a symbiotic relationship between the audience so whatever energy they give you give back and, and all of that is really speaks to me through the
0: lens of punk rock so uh, that that stuff is always always has and always will mean a lot to me so you're saying that Finland is your 26th country or it's gonna be your 26th country I remember I was with you 10 years ago in Egypt what what number of or what number for like what country was that for you oh uh,
2: I'm gonna just spitball and say 14 15 or something yeah that was how was that ten years ago already?
0: Yeah, it was ten years ago that uh, Ali <laughs> ran his first show. Yeah, it's
2: crazy how time flies. But it right, does. I mean, I was yeah. just talking something about that the other day. I mean, it's wild to to think that I've even uh, since then I've wrestled in Sudan as well. So it's uh, it's crazy to think that you know this madness is taking us around the world,
0: Africa and beyond. And and Sudan was for Ali also, right? That was for Qatar Pro Wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Correct. That's right. Yeah. There's a. I mean, the, they put a lot of big names on their shows. I mean, they, I don't know who's fronting the money because I was looking at their houses and there's no way that it, just the price of Ray Mysterio <laughs> alone, they, they got to have some like rich oil sheiks just fronting money. So I want to see this guy. I'll put the money up for him. I don't. Cause I don't understand yeah. how how otherwise like financially you could make that thing rock and roll.
2: So sure. Just, just yeah, not, I don't question. My... It. I'm just the wrestler. I just <laughs> go where I need to be and do yeah. what I need
0: to do. Yeah, I'm thinking of it as a businessman, but anyway, be that as it may, I mean, all the all the power to them if they can make it work. Hey, um, anyway, so in Finland uh, on uh, March no, it's not March on June 29th, excuse me, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have this show called Wrestle Aid, and uh, for those of you who don't know, and actually, we've been punching this in for the past few weeks and we've been hyping it up that it's for the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association part of the proceeds part of the tickets will be going to the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association because one of my co-promoters on this show with Slam Wrestling Finland is a guy called Riku Forstrom and he has something called uh, Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy the the general outlook for life expectancy with those, and it, it only hits like males. It's it comes from the mother's X chromosome, and only men, only boys get it, and they all generally die at the age of twenty-six. Now, this guy on May the fourth, May fourth this year, he turned forty, and it's, well. he, he's got advanced muscular dystrophy with this Duchenne syndrome. He's a huge, huge wrestling fan, very knowledgeable. He knows his wrestling and he follows it religiously from all around the world and Matt, I gotta tell you uh i'm you know I was the I was the booker for like the talent, so I'm the guy who set up the talent for this wrestlelade, but Rico was the guy who gave me the list, and he said, "I'd like to see these guys on this show, and you were one of the guys that he put down. He said, "I want to see Matt cross so it's a, it's a big honor for you to come to Finland." And especially that Riku can see you wrestle, uh, because that was his express wish. And uh, at yeah, wrestle, you, yeah, let's just say it. yeah, go ahead.
2: You shared that with me, and it
0: was genuinely
2: so meaningful. I mean, I'm a guy that grew up in a small town in Ohio that watched ECW, decided to emulate it in his backyard against everyone's, you know, better judgment. And then here I am some 20 years later. The the fact that a single person in Finland would know who I am, it it blows my mind. So the fact that someone would, would, of all the wrestlers in the world, especially at this time where there's just such an abundance of talent, um, that they would, you know, want me to, to make that trip. And and it's just such an honor. And the, the trip is already a success just for that. That's a story without, at the, or at the risk of sounding too sappy, genuinely, that's something that I'll never forget. Well, Just the it. fact that, yeah. again, the email that you wrote me and and, and reading it and being, I've, I've already shared that with so many of my friends and family. I'm like, hey, look at this. Like, How cool is this? Like, it's such a feeling. It's, it's really um, satisfying and, and gratifying.
0: I'm so thankful. That's great because the thing is that uh, you're going to be going up against a guy that he's, he's basically been wrestling now for, I think, about three years, maybe just around th- between three and four. Um, his name mm-hmm. is Yummy Alto. He's, he's a Finnish guy, he's got a amateur wrestling background. So the thing is, he's really, really athletically gifted. He's got some dreadlocks happening on top of his head, and uh, and he's a, he's a pretty eccentric young man, and he likes his uh, punk rock also. Maybe you guys have something in common. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a, a pretty much like a cruiserweight style of a match. You guys are going to be featured well, and um, I'm really looking forward to this one just to see uh, what you guys are going to be pulling off and, and the, the, the meshing of these two styles. I mean, you've got a lot of experience. How long have you been wrestling for now?
2: Uh, in April, it was, uh, it was twenty years since the first time I ever stepped foot in ring.
0: Oh yeah. So who trained you back in the day? Who are, who are your coaches?
2: Uh, it was a guy named JT Lightning uh, at the Cleveland All Pro Wrestling Training School. He's uh, since passed um, his school. He was sort of the godfather of Cleveland wrestling, which means nothing to anyone outside of Cleveland uh, until I tell you that he also trained uh, Johnny Gargano. Uh, Josh Prohibition, uh, Ray Rowe, um, hit hand in EC3. So, I mean, a lot of these big name wrestling talents now, we all came out of the, the same area and the same school under the same guy. So, um, he definitely left his mark on Cleveland Wrestling He'll always be kind of fondly remembered by the scene. Definitely wouldn't be the same, uh, without him. And I don't know, you wouldn't, wouldn't have me, you wouldn't have Johnny Gargano, you wouldn't have Ray Rowe, I'll be all these people just straight up wouldn't exist so kind of special
1: that's pretty awesome that uh you know that somebody uh we were talking a little while ago about uh i guess wrestling trainers and sometimes you know being completely unknown the kind of in a way like the best wrestlers in the world just uh aren't known and they end up being the trainers of i guess the most well-known wrestlers in the world that not necessarily aren't necessarily the best but uh Nonetheless I was going to ask you about uh, I guess the uh, I guess way back in the day when uh, it uh, is a really cool uh, I guess thing for me because back in the day I was a punk rock kid I had the mohawk playing in punk rock bands as a drummer and um oh, nice. you know I was uh, yeah uh, it was actually time of my life in a lot of ways and I would go see uh well my favorite band in the world is the from Winnipeg Manitoba Canada Propagandi and uh, you know, oh,
2: they're, yes. They're
1: cranking out great <laughs> I gonna, records. I was going to try to guess it, but... Yeah, the, th- to yeah. these days. And, <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's it. Yeah, and uh, I should have let you guess, <laughs> but um, are they the only band <laughs> from Winnipeg? I don't know. But uh, but anyway, um, you know, I loved all, all that kind of stuff. The Misfits are a big deal for me, and, um, you know, Same. in all incarnations as well, I, can, I, I appreciate it all. And um, I played in a, a horror punk band over here in Finland when I first moved, but... Oh. No, enough about Amazing. me i guess but um <laughs> we uh back in the day i i also dabbled in the backyard wrestling and uh you know was a big fan of uh ecw and and all that when i kind of fell out from the wwf and uh things like that and i was even watching like cmll on tv just to get some alternatives happening and and that but of course yeah, yeah to to everybody saying and all those things don't try this at home well we tried it at home and we had a great time doing it, and uh, then I ended up getting some formal training. Anyway, here in Finland, I'm just just a referee, but um, but I love it none the uh, like all the same. And um, I just wanted to ask you about that backyard time. I mean, I think a lot of people frown on it, but uh, you know, I got a lot sure. of I guess would you call it heat or something? But uh, right, right, people. Uh, You know, when I went to do the formal training, they uh, said, don't mention that you, you know, have done anything in the backyard. And I was trying to think to myself, like, don't, doesn't everybody do this at some point in their lives, you know?
2: (laughs) You know, so. uh, I I mean, I think so. And I think the stigma is is removed in large part. And I think it's only problematic when and if you think it's going to lead you to, bigger and better things. So the, there there are a minority of people who think, like, oh, this is my road to the WWE championship. And that, of course, isn't true. Uh, so if you look at it in that way, it's probably problematic. But otherwise, it's just kids in a backyard having fun. I mean, it's akin to... I doubt you could find someone in League baseball who didn't also play baseball in his backyard. Or That's a football it. player who didn't play touch football. or You know, it's like, of course, is Someone, someone was a kid playing soccer in their backyard. or They were some Premier League star or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, given our thing can be potentially more dangerous, but uh, I think it's only, again, problematic if you think this will lead me directly to a career in wrestling. But oftentimes it's just, it is just kids that are either bored or don't have another outlet and they're just doing it. And, and, and like you touched on, I mean, we'd be
0: hard-pressed to find a single person
2: uh, involved in professional wrestling currently that didn't do. It.
0: Well, the thing is that I think the number one thing is that uh, if somebody does backyard wrestling, that they don't have that misconstrued notion that that stands as experience or as uh, a credible argument for them getting into the pros, because that certainly doesn't R- work. Right, exactly. And then amazing
2: my personal journey, uh, we were doing the backyard wrestling, and got some notoriety from that. And then we're approached by JT Lightning, who said, uh, "You know, would you guys like to do this for real? I have a school here. Uh, you guys are already doing some. You know, I had an 11-year gymnastics background. So he's like, you're already doing some, of these you know, high-level moves and the flips and things like that. He's like, you put a solid base behind you." You know, I don't even know if he was just trying to get someone to sign up for his school or what, but he, he's like, I, I think you could really do something in this business. So again, I don't know if he's kidding or not. I took it to heart you know, and 20 years later. i like, I'm doing something with it. So <laughs> turns out he was right. Um, but but exactly. It's like I had to, and I remember going home and, and over the course of days and weeks, whatever it was, having that conversation with myself of, is this something that I want to pursue legitimately or, or not? Because I knew if I was going to, anything that I do, I kind of go all in. I kind of deal in extremes. So, uh, you know, I did gymnastics until gymnastics spit me out. I've never considered retiring and and I'm 20 years into wrestling. Uh, I stopped shaving six or seven years. ago. (laughs) I've been straight (laughs) edge for 21 years. (laughs) Anytime I make a decision, that's it. So, uh, so I knew I was like, I have to think about this wrestling thing seriously because if I do it, that's
0: it. (laughs) So tell me something, you were on that WWE Tough Enough 2011 run. Uh, how did you end up sure. being a part of that? And uh, how did you, like, I remember that uh, that Stone Cold gave you the boot at some point, point. one of the episodes. How did you feel, like, uh, to what, I don't know how, how much, like, in-depth you want to go as far as what you can and cannot tell about, you know, the actual uh, run of the mill there. But um, just give, give us your, your two cents worth on that ordeal. Sure.
2: It was, I mean, it was an incredible experience. So I answered a phone call out of the blue, no idea how they got my information. Uh, and it was essentially, you know, asked to apply. And I feel like my hand was sort of held through the process. So it wasn't like I was just part of like a, a general casting. Um, so lo and behold, I, I got on the show and I mean, it was incredible. I mean, you're, you're living in a mansion, uh, you don't have to do your own dishes. You don't have to clean anything. Uh, I remember the first day, like there was no like dishwashing soap or or anything. And I was like, how do we do our dishes? And they're like, Oh, just leave them. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. (laughs) So we would just like, you'd make a list of any food you wanted and they would get it to you. Exactly. You didn't do your dishes. You didn't do your laundry. There was no clocks. There was no TVs. So it's reality television, but it's very far from any reality that I know. (laughs) Um, But you're still, it's still great to be, you know, again, just living in a mansion like a king. Um, I think I was there for maybe six days. Every couple days uh, in real life is is then turned into a week in television. So I went home in like the second episode, the second week, which was like the fifth or sixth day. Uh, It it was such a whirlwind. I mean, the very first day we did filming was at a SmackDown, uh, I think in San Diego. And a lot of my friends were with the company at the time. And, and, and once they saw me, they, they were on camera. Uh, and this is like Chris masters and Daniel Bryan and Sam punk just being like, you're on tough enough. Like what? Like here's the winner right here. We're calling it now. He's the best. And so, I mean, I remember going to bed that night, jumping on my bed in the hotel, being like, I did it. I've worked for over 10 years at this point, And it's finally here. Like it's finally happened because like all the other competitors had seen this and they're like, who is this guy? I was already in everyone else's head. And they like, how does he, he knows everybody everybody knows him like what is the point of this and then four or five days later six days later i was on a plane home just being like what
0: <laughs> <laughs> was, uh. was that was that a shoot like on a, like i mean or like how much of that is work how much is shoot like when when stone cold came up and he said you know that's it you know it's like you've been in the business before and blah 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 and now it's like you know you didn't do this right didn't do that right you're out of here like how much of that was scripted and into the actual the the theme of the series
2: is professional wrestling
0: an actual athletic competition
2: and is reality television an accurate representation of what's happening
0: exactly now you
2: combine (laughs) you combine those two things you've now made arguably the face (laughs) in the history of humanity (laughs) Uh it's it's the easter bunny (laughs) so i'll leave it there but uh, it's it's a television. Show.
0: Well, of course, of course. I mean, that's it's just my way of like pr- pretty much painting a picture for the general public listening to this episode that they understand that uh, how television actually works. So, I'm, to,
2: exactly. To, 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 to and, and the cool part for me was Stone Cold reached out to me after the show, yeah. uh, which I doubt he was contractually obligated to do, but yeah. but just to make sure because he's like, hey, look, uh, to say exactly that line. He's like, the, the show is a show. Mm-hmm. Please don't think you don't have what it takes. Please don't quit. Like, yeah. please keep it up. I think you have something and anything yeah, yeah. I can help you with. I would like to. Yeah. So he's been very helpful over, over the years. And, and, and I would have never thought coming out of the show that, you know, that, that was obviously the biggest, uh, biggest and most unexpected perk of, of doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. The thing that really like strikes me as funny about that, Tough enough 2011, those the guy that won it, I forget his name completely now, but nonetheless, the fact that they put him on television then went once he won it, and he did that little bit at the end with uh, Vince McMahon, and it just didn't do anything for him. Like, I mean, there's like it, it, he was a complete <laughs> afterthought, he just faded into the sunset immediately after that one yeah. episode. And I thought to myself, that now you do an episode, uh, you do this run of tough enough, which you hype and you put Stone Cold as the main guy pulling the truck for everybody. And, and it, it's like, was this the payoff? I mean, like what the hell was this all about?
2: <laughs> I just thought yeah, it was the well, in a way. nutshell, the, yeah. the network was just an idea at that time. So yeah. they knew coming around the bend, we're going to have 24 seven programming. So we need stuff. So this was stuff. So they basically leased out the WWE name to a completely separate production company. And they're like, please make a television show. So even I remember the people that cast me, for example, I was like, should I put parkour stuff on my video? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what does that mean? Is that a wrestling term? We don't know what wrestling is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they cast it as if it was a cooking show, as if it was a talent show, as if it was no one involved in creating of the show, knew anything about wrestling because mm-hmm. they didn't need to. They're just making a television show that would be content on the network. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, it wasn't too fine. the next star. Andy, the winner had already, was already in S C W, was already getting a weekly check from the, WWE.
0: like, what more do you need to know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the, but, but once again, if, if I could just interject like one more time that that what do you remember the name of the guy that finished that the, the guy that like was the winner of the whole thing? Andy something or other. Yeah, Andy something was, or other. Exactly. Something or other. It's a Great wrestling. <laughs> and, and, and I thought like 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 it's just such a waste that they would throw away an investment of what was a 10 or 12 weeks of television and you just throw it away at the end, and yeah. do nothing with a payoff. And it's like, I, I thought to myself like that that was just, it, it makes no sense from a business standpoint. Like with Vince being who, a businessman or whatever, but still, it makes no sense. But, you know, be that yeah, as it I may... I couldn't
2: agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, even the people on the show that, that they pre- presented as being jerks, for example. Yeah. Uh, some of them weren't at all, and it was completely a figment or a creative, you know, twist. Yeah. Um, so, these people who are then on television, like you said, 10, 12 weeks, and the general public gets this idea, that you know, that a deeply held idea that this guy is a jerk. That person could debut on television the next day, be the greatest heel of all time, and everyone's going to be like, we know he's a jerk. Like, there's not going to be any sort of character to it. It's going to be so real. I mean, what a, what a perfect way of using the show something like that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a little inside baseball, but, but, but you know, yeah the whole thing is sort of just a just a waste
1: now going from from that uh, wonderful tv experience as we have uh, i guess <laughs> figured out by now but uh, all the way to the i don't know if it would be the absolute next but uh, i guess in a way the current tv experience this lucha underground uh, that you sure. started with in 2014 and uh, how has that ride
2: been oh really exciting and it's crazy to think, I mean, just you saying that kind of makes me realize I'm like, God, that was five years ago. Um, <laughs> it was another call out of the blue. Uh, no idea how they got my, information. um, just calling you. Today. It sounded, yeah, <laughs> it, it sounded great on paper, but you know, anyone involved in wrestling knows how that usually goes. So I was like, well, I'll believe this when I see it. And they're talking about, you know, Mark Burnett being involved as survivor and, uh, I think America's Got Talent and then Robert Rodriguez, who did, you know, Dust Till Dawn, all these different shit days, all these different movies, and they were getting in the wrestling game. It was, it, you know, it sounded a bit too good to be true. Um, then to their credit, once we got there and started, started swinging, it was, it was everything they said it was going to be. So that's, it's so much fun. Like all of my memories at this point of it, uh, aren't even the wrestling matches. It'll be, you know going to Muscle Beach and being at Venice Beach, hiking to the Hollywood side, like being on Hollywood Boulevard, like just being able to be in California and taken care of and get a perfume and all of these. It was very much run like like a television program or like a movie. So we were just treated like movie stars, which again, you've, you've been involved in wrestling, that's the, the probably the polar opposite of how a wrestler is treated. Uh, so it, it was very welcomed and. and nice experience as far as that and i think because we were so well looked after and relaxed and happy that carried over into the matches and the product uh you know everyone it, it, everyone was a professional and trusted to do what they do so no one was like micromanaged or told to do things this way or that way and that goes for the wrestlers the camera guys the writers i mean one of the things that I always hear is like, wow, the storylines were so great. I mean, the writers should write for WWE. This is amazing. And there were three writers. All of them were formerly with WWE. So it's not like these guys need to write for WWE. They, they all had. Yeah. The, the difference was now they were free to do whatever they want. Uh, as wrestlers, we were free to do whatever we wanted. The camera guys were to do whatever they wanted. Everyone was trusted as a professional. Mm. And then it, it came together and that's what happened. And it's like, it, it shouldn't be as like shocking or amazing as it, as it, as it was as far as a concept. Because it's like, wow, like, what, what a concept to just have people do what they do and it, and it, and it works. <laughs> as opposed to do it, but do it this way. We like it, but do it this way. Do it. You know, the stories you hear from other places. Uh, so, I mean, just an incredible experience. I mean, it's been, been so much fun. And, 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 they, and they have flexibility uh, based on how the crowd reacts to people positively or negatively. They will change. Oh, the wow. direction of, of stories or characters I and mean, things that uh, just wouldn't happen other places. I mean, and, and we're talking day up. Uh, there was there was title change decisions made on a um, day of things, and it's just, it's pretty pretty
0: special. So what exactly is Robert Rod- Rodriguez's role with Lucha Underground? What is it that he specifically does with that company?
2: Well, he owns the channel, so it was on the LRA network which is a channel that, that he owns. So mm-hmm. It was something that he wanted, again, on his channel. So I feel like throughout wrestling's history, a lot of times it's been, we make a cool, like you and I make a cool show, and then we pitch it to networks in hopes that the, some network picks up our show. Yeah, This was pretty unique in that it was the opposite. It was the channel itself that's like, we are going to make a wrestling show, uh, so, there, so there was no, there was no pitching. There was no, I hope someone likes this. It was the show itself being like, let's, let's make this, uh, we want something that, you know, can cater to a Hispanic audience. Uh, there's uh, a lot of that in the United States and then we don't feel like they're have anything that, that speaks to them. Um, so like, let's, you know, move forward with, with, with something like that and something new. Uh, I remember the one time, uh, he came and, I guess he got his start as a cameraman like, before he was a director and all these other things. Uh so that's sort of where his passion lies to some degree. Uh and I remember being in a tag match and looking over and he himself had the shoulder mounted camera and was filming hmm. like ringside. Really. <laughs> and, and I thought I was seeing things because no one told us anything like that and I'm like that's that's him like that's Robert Rodriguez like like roaming ringside with a camera. Uh, when I got to the back, the writers were asking how the match was and stuff. And I'm like, am I crazy or is he out there? And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, he showed up and wanted to check it out and everything. And then he's like, you know what? Like, throw a camera on me. Let me let me get some shots. <laughs> All right. So I think it was, you know, a little, little playground for him of sorts, too, to, to just sort of enjoy this little world he helped create.
1: That, I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing when you get like, uh, wrestling fans in a way that are actually good businessmen. Uh, I mean, right. it, it's just, uh, almost hilarious because, uh, back in the day, you know, you would have some super duper wrestling fan, some kid who had a bunch of money and try to, you know, book a bunch of wrestlers and turns into some kind of money mark or whatever and, uh, has just no idea what's going on. And a lot of the times people unfortunately would take advantage of somebody like that, um, hard not to I guess for somebody but um then again now you have guys like Rodriguez and then uh, Tony Khan who is also uh just seems to be like a giddy wrestling fan with this all elite wrestling however it's one of those guys who I guess can put his um giddiness aside and actually focus on the business part but Speaking of that all-elite wrestling, this AEW that had that double or nothing on the weekend, uh, which we were talking about on this podcast as well today, What uh, did you watch it? What did you think? I guess you were in Vegas at the time. How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I did StarCast, which is a convention sort of associated with it. So I flew into Vegas uh, on Friday, uh, went straight from the airport to StarCast to kind of meet with everybody, and that was a great experience. Um, and then that night the punk rock shows started. So, um, Friday night, I was at a show all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, all day, Monday. So, uh, I just got home the other day from that. And that, you know, as those things tend to do, they involve very little sleep and, and a lot of fun. So I'm still kind of recouping from that. So, so I haven't even seen it yet, but I've obviously heard nothing but good things. And, and I did all, of ben, which is essentially the, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call it? The pilot for all of this in, yeah, in yeah. a way, the so I'm familiar with uh, you know most of the most of the players and, and whatnot, and, and I'm just it's just an exciting time to be involved in wrestling. I mean, you and I both have been involved in for so long. I essentially got started in 01, mm-hmm. and that was the year that WWE bought WCW and mm-hmm. ECW. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to now refer to it as the Dark Ages. So the entirety <laughs> of my career took place in wrestling's Dark Ages. Uh, only now, in the last what two years, has there been this noticeable and, and undeniable change, and, and, and things have kind of gone. Uh, I was always told it was cyclical; it's going to go up, it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I was a little pessimistic about it. I didn't believe that anymore, I thought maybe in the past it had, but, but maybe now it won't. With the you know advent of the internet and UFC and all these different things, and video games getting cooler and better, I'm like. Maybe people just won't ever care again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and luckily, uh, I was wrong. So it took, it took 20 years of my career, but, but now all of us are just involved in this, this exciting time. And I, and I feel it's palpable and I feel it's
0: worldwide. Like everywhere I go, there's just this,
2: this rush and, and this excitement associated with professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, it's like I've been saying that I think that now we're almost like in the third boom period, like since the 80s. If we if we consider to be the first boom period to be uh, when Hulk Hogan, Cyndi Lauper, Mr. T, WrestleMania won. So that's like 85 and after mm-hmm. after Rocky three. So that's like the definitive first boom period of our lifetime. Uh, the second boom period right. being like 97. That was the TBS. Uh, some Monday Nitro WCW against WWF. Monday Night Raw and then making the cover TV guide like three times with wrestlers on the covers. So that would be the second boom period and uh, with them stealing the ratings, you know, and now in the past two years, I would say that we are in the third boom period now for pro wrestling globally. But then, you you know, I talked to Sam Adonis or we talked to Sam on the mm-hmm. show just a few weeks ago and and Sam uh, he saw it a different way said that n- no because the thing is that there's nobody in wrestling right now on the level of uh, you know what Hulk Hogan was back in the 80s like he was a guy that drew houses just based on his name he was like, his star appeal across the board was so big that I mean it's like he he's the guy that put pro wrestling on the map globally in front of the in front of the world Uh, And right now, yeah, wrestling might be having a bit of a resurgence because of maybe I'm not quite sure what exactly it is. And maybe you can like from your own perspective, shed some light on it. But is it the Internet? Is it Japan? Is it New Japan world? Is it uh, what exactly in your assessment has made wrestling hot again? Like at least to some degree, like more notably hot than it has been for ages uh, in the last two years.
2: I think that, and I don't know why, but I think some of the stigma is being removed. I think we all grow up, we're told by someone that, oh, it's this or it's that. And then there becomes this stigma associated with it. Oh, you like that thing. And it's always sort of portrayed in this negative light. I think fast forward to current times, and you have to. See it for what it is, and it's starting to be seen in that way and be appreciated for that. Because, in the same way, what we do, a live action stunt show with no retakes in front of your very eyes, can't be denied and isn't lame or isn't this or isn't that. Uh, we are the Avengers. We are Batman. I am Spider Man. There, there is no difference. Well, actually, I would argue that there are, there, there are differences. Uh, and the differences are, if the Batman does anything cool, he does it in 50 takes. Yeah. If it's something really cool, they call him the stunt guy. What we do is the equivalent of, let's pretend I played guitar and you played bass. We get together, we talk about a song, talk about it, and then play it, perform it for the very first time ever for a paying audience that night. If musicians did that, they would be universally recognized as geniuses mm-hmm. people would fall over because they wouldn't be able to believe how amazing that is and that is exactly what we did. so mm-hmm. i think people i think at some point that becomes undeniable and when you get outlets like espn or rolling stone or vice here in the states who start to cover wrestling and they're like hey what these guys doing maybe you don't like it but it is impressive and that's just a fact. There's no way around that. So I think we we're part of this generation where it doesn't have to be presented in ways that it was in the past. It can be presented for exactly what it. Is. Because I'll get on a plane, I'll go to Japan, I'll meet a Japanese person. I don't speak any Japanese. And then as the doors open and as the audience pours in, we're trying to put something together that unfolds before your very eyes. So, Again, it's just the the, the the this art form that we do, this interactive art form that we do. I can go to see the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball team here in Cleveland, and we used to have LeBron James up until recently. I can yell all day for LeBron James to shoot a three. He's not going to listen to me. But in wrestling, we do listen to the audience, and the audience listens to us. So what other... What other art form brings that to the table? So all of these things that are unique to our activity and our business, I, I think are just starting to get recognized. So people are growing up without the stigma of, oh, that thing. Oh, that's, that's whatever it is. You know, Now it's just, oh, that's impressive. Those guys are, are, are athletes. Those guys are more than that. There's improv. There's comedy. No you know, if to look at improv and comedy and say that it's, Lame. No one's gonna look at acting and say that it's lame. No one looks at sports and says that they're says that they're lame. So how come when you take all three of those things, which are independently impressive, and put them together and make a new thing that's infinitely more difficult, how can that thing be lame? So I think just slowly, 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 we've been we've been chipping away at the at the the, the thoughts of, of our fathers and their fathers' fathers and sort of uh. I think, again, it's just being recognized for what it is. I think, for whatever reason, it's just bigger media outlets are starting to sort of cover it a little bit more and touch on it. And, and it's safe, for lack of a better term, to like wrestling again. Mm. Again, the stigma is being removed. Um, so then it's, it's all of a sudden people are like, hey, this thing, I love the Avengers. What if the Avengers happened right before me and I could slap Iron Man's hand and then watch Iron Man fall on his head? right in front of me. (laughs) Like that that sounds like the Avengers, but cooler to me. So I think that's what people are are starting. Luckily to, to, to realize.
0: It actually brings to mind, you know, that Sylvester Stallone did this movie called, um, paradise alley back in the day. You probably heard of it, right? Mm -hmm, Sure. Mm Yeah. And, and, uh, I remember a story. I remember reading the story that Sly, he had a bunch of wrestlers on that, You know, as far as I mean, their wrestling was was a part of the movie itself. And he had a bunch of wrestlers uh, as some of the actors in the storyline of the movie itself. And during the, you know, the downtime uh, of filming, like in between takes, uh, the audience would jeer like the the audience on hand would jeer the, the wrestlers. And it's like, yeah, these fake wrestlers and all this. And from the word is that Sly Stallone got into the ring and he said, everybody shut your fucking mouth more for lack of a better term. He said that these guys are the best improv or or like or the the best uh, like stuntmen that I've ever seen in my life, that they are like they're organic. They are they're like they're live stuntmen, uh, the most gifted guys that I that, you know, that you could ever wish for. So everybody just shut your mouth. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I find that, you know, like, so like part of what you're saying, I can, I can, I can relate to, uh, like maybe this is being something that broke the stigma. Um, but by the same token, do you think that, uh, was there something else that made wrestling hip or pop or cool or in what was there like a certain, was it Ronda Rousey, for example, was it the crossover of MMA like for example UFC starting to borrow so many things from the world of pro wrestling was it them like in their hype in their videos in their shtick borrowing elements of wrestling promos and of wrestling packaging basically just WWE production moved shifted over to UFC was was that part of it and part of the maybe Brock Lesnar coming back from UFC did that have anything to do or like how do you see like this uh, m- like marriage made in hell or heaven or what have you. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, the great could be, I, I'm saying, i pro wrestler in the world. I he wasn't even, a wasn't even technically a professional wrestler. <laughs> I mean, he was, but he, he was doing pro wrestling. And that's why I was Any Anytime you do pro wrestling outside of pro wrestling. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So Conor McGregor did pro wrestling outside of pro wrestling. What did people think? How many fans did he get? How much attention did he bring to that sport? How many people loved it? Yeah. He was doing wrestling. I don't want to get into you know politics, but to some degree, what is Trump doing? Pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and he's absolutely. even been at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, it's the pomp and the circumstance and the speeches and the bravado and the walk and the swagger and all of that is professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, so I, I it's, agree. It's.
2: it's it's all over the world in all these other ways, mm-hmm. and then when you take it in its purest form, it's presented as wrestling. People are like, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't like that," <laughs> but they love whatever it's, whatever the tenants of it are used anywhere else. Um, but, but perhaps I mean, I think it'd be hard to pinpoint anything exactly. I think there's like a, and who knows, maybe twenty years from now, thirty years from now, with hindsight in twenty twenty, we will be able to make an argument of it was this or it was that. Um, I think at this point is too kind of early to say, but, but I'm sure elements like that, of course, like if you hated professional wrestling and loved mixed martial arts, you see Brock Lesnar going back to this wrestling company. You're almost forced to pay attention or at least be made aware of it. So, so things like Ronda and Brock, and uh, of course that would have, would have helped. And I mean, even, even WWE signing this, whatever, it wasn't like the biggest television deal in history or something. And, and that's forced other kind of players to take note. Cause if they're like, wait a minute, a wrestling program just did this monumental television deal. Like what's wrestling. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden it's a viable business model too. So the other people have to, have to take note. And so I just think at this point, it's kind of a combination of so many little things. And, and then and, and we can create new fans who don't have that. Oh, that's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sound like a broken record, but but they'll, they they'll they'll learn about this business and this industry without the stigma attached to it. And I think who knows when it levels off, but I think we're still a couple of years. I mean, we're obviously a couple of years away from it leveling off with all elite just starting. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, the past two years in the wrestling world have been insane, and I think it's only been more insane for the next couple of years too. So it's mm-hmm. it's just so. It's so exciting for, for all of us, you know, because again, we've been around the past five, 10, 20 years. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything like this.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you know, the thing is I'm almost, you know, I don't want to sound like a bitter old fart, but the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm 46 (laughs) years old now. I've been in the business for 25 Mm -hmm. years, right? So 25 freaking years. And it's like now when it's getting hot again, you know, I'm at the tail end of my career you know and it, sure, it, it, sure. It, it feels so damn unfair it just it does uh, sure yeah i feel like
2: i feel like my generation uh was sort of the martyrs so you know i was coming up with with cm punk and, and daniel bryan those are the guys that i was running the roads with and doing independent shows with and whatever and i feel like those guys sort of spearheaded this change, you know, and, and, and to do it, they sort of, they sort of died again. I, I use the term martyr. Mm-hmm. So it's like they, they changed the industry and sort of died in the process to some degree. Uh, and in doing so, they sort of opened the floodgates for the next generation. <laughs> so, so I feel like my generation's contribution was, was, was changing the game completely, opening it up, like uh, changing the definitions and everything. Uh, and then they did that, but I, but, like like yourself i'm like oh i was i was part of this martyr movement or this martyr generation yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like well but yeah Oh, no, i mean I, I couldn't i couldn't relate with you more i'm like oh why can't i be 12 starting now and then i just where would my second or third house be you know <laughs> these would be the questions i have in my life but obviously we can't control those kind of things and, and for myself i guess i'm just so grateful that well geez i could have walked away Six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. I mean, what, what even kept me in? You know, it's other it's, it's than insanity. So I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, I chose to continue to pursue something so ill-advised. And now at the back end, at least I can enjoy some, some time. and You know, I guess it's better that changed late than, than not at all. I mean, will that forever be frustrating? Absolutely. But I have to actively try not to focus on it. <laughs>
1: I mean you talk about this being a martyr or whatever and I mean back in the day of, of me going to indie shows in Toronto uh this would be in maybe 2002 3 or 4 somewhere in that range or whatever and um it, there was a lot of wrestling going on in Toronto there was I don't know countless amount of promotions popping up and going under and and I was having even one of them under my belt but uh, anyway there was a kind of a, a funny saying around where if you wanted to draw people to come see your show, you needed to book M Dog Twenty, and that's a serious thing. Hey. <laughs> so I mean, uh, that's I've seen you, you know, back in those days, and and you always wowed wowed the crowd. And I saw you as kind of the the guy, the first guy I had ever seen doing this. What we we've kind of coined, I guess, or Starbucks has said this. Uh, which I agree with this hyper athlete um, that you see in guys like Will Ospreay and, and Ricochet, I guess the two, I guess, biggest names at the moment uh, jumping around, but there's so many guys, uh, you know, uh, at at the moment, even in Japan with the best of super juniors thing, there's just, um, it's an incredible, this athletic style that uh, for me, anyway, you were the first guy I ever saw do any of that kind of stuff uh, to this degree. And um in that way, being an inspiration to a lot of these guys that are on top of the world right now, who was uh, who was your big, I guess, inspiration? Who who did you want to be? Your I guess your favorite wrestler growing up? You had the toys and all that stuff.
2: I mean, I guess there's almost two questions there. I think the, the, the main one is what you're touching, yeah, like like that idea of sort of a pioneering style, where I got that. Uh, philosophy from, if you will, would be someone like Rob Van Dam. Uh, I remember, I was the biggest ECW fan. So, I remember watching ECW, and, and just him in particular, because I always had a feeling, when I watched him, like, man, this dude is obviously athletic, and I don't know what he's going to do next. And I felt like he could do anything. Like, he could have... He, hey, I still think he could fly. You know, like, and that's the feeling that I had associated with it him as a, as a persona and that's what he brought to the table and that's what I picked up on as a fan. And I was like this dude can do anything and he's going to. So I have to watch him and I can't wait and I don't know what what he'll do next. So I always love that feeling. I, I I get that with like AJ Styles now too where you're just like this dude could do anything, and everything and wow. So that is what always spoke to me. So consciously when i started wrestling i was like i I hope to like invoke those same feelings in people i I hope that they're like we don't know what this guy's gonna do seems like he can do anything we have to see him um and then you know i i as previously mentioned i've done gymnastics for for 11 years so i think i look at it just the whole of it a little differently than a lot of other people so the, the ring itself to me was always an obstacle and something to interact with and like a Ninja warrior course type thing. And, and I think I was never, I want to do a spine buster like Arn Anderson. I was like, well, what can I do with this? Just, just period. It, it wasn't like someone else or like this or like that. It was, it was what what, what can I do with this, with this apparatus, with this piece of equipment? Um, so I think my philosophy was always a little different than people. And, and then with the gymnastics background, I was going to be, uh, you know, a. a, a more high flying style, or that lend itself to my my background. I mean, when I started wrestling, it's like I liked lifting weights and doing flips. What? Where can I? Where can I take this in life?
0: <laughs> you know, you sound like Sadie Gibbs. She's coming now to WrestleAid too, by the way. Do you know? Nice. Do you know Sadie Gibbs? <laughs> do you know who she is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. As far as like, she does the CrossFit. You know, she's she's super athletic. Twenty six years old and uh strong like i mean she is like for, as a chick man she is strong and she does these flips out of this world i think you guys you, you could make a hell of a tag team yeah <laughs> all right i'm in <laughs> i love it there you go intergender tag team speaking <laughs> of intergender tag teams by the way i mean it's like i remember uh i was just we you know we had wwe here in helsinki just for the sake of conversation uh on the 10th of may now and um Asuka was here, right? You know, so and and I wrestled a bunch of uh, six man or six person intergender tags back in Japan, uh, 2012 uh, against Asuka. Also, remember she was kicking me like a like 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 I owed her money. I mean, it was like just unbelievably <laughs> strong kicks and whatnot. And great to see her after all these years. So I mean, you know, and and actually one of my old tag partners from that era uh Siri Kondo is in the UFC now out of Japan so I mean that's pretty impressive too so it's funny where life takes oh, you you know it really is like when you think about it but uh as we close up this interview here just a couple more questions um you obviously were on this uh I guess it would you'd call it like almost like a like uh a pre-launch to AEW so this was the all in show at the end of sure. last year in September, and what are your views now on the AEW deal? Supposedly they've they've got well, not supposedly the word is now that they have a deal with Time Warner. So with TNT Drama starting in November, Jim Ross is on board as a uh, as the color guy or the the main announcer. Um, they've got pretty much like they got their shit together now. I mean they they got they're signing people left and right. Do you think this is the beginning of the next great wrestling war or what, how do you see AEW at the moment?
2: I mean, just touch on what we've been saying. It's just exciting in general. I mean, I don't want to speculate on like wars and stuff. It seems like some of the uh, internal conversations that I've had with people, uh, they were shying away from that directly because it's like, you know, wwe is this juggernaut or whatever so but it's just i I look at it to it just as someone a involved in the industry and b as a fan like holy crap like we've been talking about like our careers took place in wrestling's dark ages and somehow we made it happen now this is gonna sort of bleed over i think into everything so it's just there's reason to talk about wrestling again there's reason to be excited about wrestling again. where do they go and what do they do and where does that what happens with that i mean That excitement hasn't been involved in this industry in in so long, perhaps upwards of 20 years. So it's just great, and there's some great people involved. I mean, I I think Tony Rhodes is—he's probably the most talented guy that I've ever wrestled Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found him to be on his his own level. I mean, it it blew me away. And and the first time that I wrestled him, I'd wrestled Ricochet and BJ Black in the same week. So I was like, man, I'm having a hell of a run here. A little little stretch of these. These are the best guys in the world. Um, And and I felt like I was holding my own and proud of the matches. And I was, you know, on top of everything, I'm like, here we go. And I I went into this match with Cody Rhodes feeling confident and feeling great. And then I was like, holy crap, there's a whole nother level. I mean, I was just blown away uh, by how talented he was. Mm -hmm. So to have a guy and, and just how nice and personable and professional, so to have a guy like that at the helm and, and the Young Bucks and, and these guys that, that are wrestlers, that understand our situation, understand our play, and, and they're not these just corporate chills and and they're guys that, that want to make a difference and, and, and are making a difference. Um, so not only do you, 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 don't just, you have another major player in the game, but but maybe for the first time or certainly the first time in a long time, guys, guys on the inside, you know, so it's just, it, it it should be, and, and I think will be just genuinely different. I think for years, we've been sold these false alternatives every couple of years something comes up and it's the next thing, you know, and then it ends up being like diet WWE or WWE light. And, and, and I think people want a, a genuine alternative and, and, and it's going to force WWE to change their business model and their plan and their outlook and stuff too, because now they have competition. So just, uh, I, I I just focus on the, the, the positive elements of all of it for all of us, because I remember as the biggest ECW fan, it doesn't matter what they gave me. It could have been Axel Rotten versus, I don't even know, a local guy, and I was like, this is amazing. Uh, there was so much... I, w- I was so excited about everything that was being presented, and I was such a fan, and, and I think it sort of speaks to society in general nowadays. It's just people are too quick to be negative about stuff, and, and I feel like if ECW was reborn or, or if, or if the exact equivalent of it was to come about nowadays with the internet, everyone would just be so negative about it and, and it wouldn't even have a chance. Mm. Uh, and, oh, new track can't work or whatever, you know, and it's like, I didn't worry about that stuff back in the day. I was just excited. So I'm hoping that, you know, that's the majority of people's experience and, and, and who knows where this goes, but I mean, it's certainly going somewhere. and certainly going up for, at least the next six months to a year to two years to hopefully five ten and beyond. But uh, I mean, we don't know. And that's, that's exciting.
1: It's true. And I mean, uh, on, we, uh, I mean, I've never felt so unfortunate that we're running out of time. Cause uh, it's really great talking to you and we really appreciate you joining us here. But uh, I mean, somebody who's been in the wrestling business for this long, a lot of the times they can, I guess, lose the love And uh, somebody like yourself, it sounds to me like you still have it. And uh, not only that, but you've got a clothing company that I guess proves it called Wrestling is Forever. Can you tell us a bit about that before we uh, kick you off the phone?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, this this is such a passionate business. And I've been involved with it so intimately for, for two decades. So it was just crazy to me to see... You know, guys like Seth Rollins through Cleveland and sleep on my floor on the way to the next show and and, and stay with Seamus in Ireland and, and he had to ride his bicycle to work every day and I, I've seen so many of these kids and, and boys and girls with dreams and when one of when it works for one of them when, when, when Kevin Steen makes it you're like wow unbelievable and then when Sami Zayn makes it you're like oh my god and then ricochet and then bobby fish and then so on and all of a sudden it's not this coincidence it's not this unbelievable thing it's not one of your friends or two of your friends it's 10 to 20 to 30 to four. like it doesn't seem that far-fetched and the dream is far-fetched but they all did it so all that that showed me is that holy crap this is possible and this doesn't have to be wrestling this could be anything so it's the cliche of like whatever you set your mind to But what all those people brought to the table was work. They worked so hard and they slept on my floor and they made these drives and they never stopped believing and they put in the work. And I just felt touched by all of that. And I was like, man, and and even what we have talked about with this elevation of wrestling and this, this current period that we're in. I think wrestling is being presented differently. So it's being seen differently. It's being talked about differently. And I want it to be a part of that change in a positive way. So people don't associate fashion with wrestling on the surface, but I'm like, why not? Like, why can't we have, I, I don't want to wear a purple shirt with like a half naked dude on it. There's nothing wrong with it, but I personally don't want to wear that, but I would like to wear a very high quality garment. With a cool design on it, so I'm just trying to capture that spirit of guys sleeping on the floor, of this drive, of this blood, sweat, and tears, of this very real world that we are in, of this this idea of sacrifice, and just put that that, that spirit and that world that I am in in into the into the clothes into the brand. I mean, what does it become? Does it become a podcast? Who knows? Does it become a promotion? Who knows? Where does it go? I don't even know uh, right now. clothing but but that's just the beginning because it's it's three words that mean something different to me than what they mean to you than what they mean to the next guy but to all of us it means something so so real and and visceral and immediate uh people have shared so many cool stories with me they're like man wrestling is forever like i used to watch wrestling with my father and that was our connection and, and he has passed you know people have shared stories like that with me and they're like so that's what this reminds me of and i'm like wow because that's not something i thought of when i did it but so many people have brought so many different things to the table so i'm just trying to capture that that spirit of of the unique you know world that we're in because it is it's so unique Uh, and i do still feel strongly about it somehow after all these years so i'm just trying to it it was a new avenue for me too I, I, i did the wrestling business and this made everything exciting for me again Uh, I had something new to talk about, something new to focus energies in. Um, And it's just been great. (laughs) We brought up Ricochet as one of the premier guys going today. Uh, As a funny aside, last week he placed my biggest order I've ever got. And he's one of my close friends. So I would have been happy to send him a t-shirt. And (laughs) I, you know, I got an email with an order. It's the biggest order I've ever got. He ordered one or two of everything. (laughs) So so he's amazing. Uh, But, and, and to get the support of, of guys like that, you know, on the inside, it has been great. I mean, I've had guys like from Matt Seidel to Jeff Cobb to Shane Strickland. I mean, these, these top level talent guys uh, buying the shirts. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I couldn't even, I, like, Matt Seidel is one of my good friends. and, and someone I look up to as a performer and, and he was like, no, you, I, you, you have to take my money. <laughs> so it's been really exciting for me. And yeah, if you haven't already, please check out uh, wrestlingisforever.com.
0: And uh, last question. So on June 29th at WrestleAid, tell the people here in Finland who are listening, what can they expect when they see Matt Cross? <laughs>
2: It's a bit cliche, but you have to expect the unexpected. I don't care if you've been watching wrestling for six weeks, two years, six years, 20 years. I aim, my goal is that you leave and you you think to yourself, there's at least one thing that I did or said that you've never seen before in your life. That's what I always try to bring to the table. Again, you could have been the world's biggest wrestling fan for 20 years. I want you leaving that building that day with a sense of, man, there was something that happened there, if not multiple things that you literally have never seen in your years of watching wrestling. Uh, And and I just want to have fun. You know, let's cultivate an an awesome atmosphere, an awesome environment. Let's celebrate wrestling. Let's celebrate this period that we're all in. Let's have fun together. I will be tangibly excited. Uh, I've never been to Finland. It'll be my 26th country. It's a milestone in my career. It'll be a day that I've never forgot. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with, with everyone in Finland.
0: All right, Matt, thank you so much for being here with us this week on shooting the Shizat, and we will see you on June 29th in Rauma, Finland at WrestleAid. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. All right, God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. On June 29th in Rama, Finland, it's the biggest international pro wrestling super show in the Nordics of Europe. Wrestlers from 10 different countries in 8 big matches featuring Matt Cross from the USA, Yoshihiro Tajiri from Japan, Sadie Gibbs from England, Jern Simmons from Holland, Eva from Puerto Rico, Scotty Davis from Ireland, Starbuck from Canada, Haimo the Wild Man, Ukon Selka from Finland, and Meiko Satomura from Japan. Part of ticket proceeds will go to the Finnish Buskender Dystrophy Foundation, Lija Be a part of the biggest international pro wrestling super event in Northern Europe this summer. Tickets now available through Ticketmaster Finland. Get yours today!